So I, I love movies. I love movies. I love storytelling. And that's what, that's what movies are. It's storytelling. Even a documentary film is still, how is this story told about this important topic? I love movies. I love having the story told to me. I love then talking about the movies ad nauseum at times. If I had my choice after every movie, I'd sit down with someone and then talk about the movie. Isn't that incredible? Wouldn't that, that, oh my gosh, the storytelling, the character development, you know, that, that character's arc. Wasn't that phenomenal? And oh my gosh, look how they set the stage with this bit of foreshadowing. And then they, they nailed it with the completion. And I love storytelling. I love watching sports. I love watching live sports. Part of the, I'm not so much, you know, like a DVR copy, you know, I mean, I, I like watching it live, even if it's live on TV. And part of it is, I don't want to miss the story. There could be a phenomenal event that takes place. If you watched this year's Super Bowl, you saw one of the most amazing, even if you hate the Patriots, which appropriately so, most of us do. Um, <laughs> You watched one of the most amazing games in football history. You saw a comeback, depending on your perspective and how you tell the story. You saw a collapse or you saw a comeback. I saw a comeback. Um, I, and, and it was one of the best games ever. But then the stories that come afterwards, talking about it, sharing about it, just the back and forth. I love all of it. In a lot of ways, preaching is the same thing. I get to stand up here and every week I get to tell true stories about Jesus Christ. About His faithfulness. About the Holy Spirit. About a loving Father. About a a thriving church, an advancing church. About the strength that we have in Him. I get to stand up here and tell stories. True stories, but stories nonetheless. But there's one big difference between talking about the movies and the games and then me getting up here preaching. I'm not here to entertain you whereas those other things are. But I do want to inspire you. That's why I point you to Jesus. To inspire you. Not to entertain. Our worship team is up there not as entertainers. They're not there to entertain They're there to lead us into the presence of God so God can do cool things that He wants to do. And even though I get to stand up here and I get to tell stories every week, sermons, preaches, whatever you want to call them, I'm here to tell you that's not enough. It's not enough that I stand up here, even if the message hits home and it's inspirational. It is not enough that I just share stories. That's not enough for me and it's not enough for you. Because see, the best stories, they come from somewhere, that something we've experienced. They come from a personal connection. The best stories I have to tell are, tells not, are, are stories not that affected someone else, but that affected me. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you this unbelievable thing that took place with me. And when we make it about Jesus, the Bible calls that a testimony. 
And it says the enemy was defeated and overcome in part because of our testimony by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We've got to have stories. We've got to have stories. We've got to have experiences. It can't just be something that we heard. The ways that we really grab a hold in belief, they come through experience. When we come into this place in church, we're here to have an experience. We're not, we're not here for any sort of entertainment. We're not here in, in any sort of religious obligatory thing. We're here to experience God in such a tangible way that, that it, it adds to our testimony. Testimony of a good God. Testimony of a great God. John 14. If you want to turn to John 14, when, I have no other scripture. John, John 14, 10 through 16 is where we're going to be reading today. And we're going to be studying this. And here's why I, I have this by itself. Sometimes, you know, when I preach, you know, I'll pull from... You know, I have the core context of what I'm preaching from, and then I'll have other scriptures that directly are in context to what I'm preaching on, and I'll pull them in. But today, in reading these verses in John 14, 10 through 16, I want you to see them listed line by line, verse by verse, because this section of scripture is often one of those that we kind of um, cherry pick. You know, I pull this part and I pull this part and I pull this part. And I want you to see what is being said by Jesus one after the other and how they tie in together. So, so John chapter 14, I'm going to go ahead and read this in the ESV, the English Standard Version. Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and my Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believe in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. A lot of times we hear those verses and we hear them kind of parsed out individually. But I want you to look at the chunk of this and how this is the message that the Lord is speaking. This is what Jesus is proclaiming and is powerful and it's mighty and it's totally applicable to you and I today. So there's six points in here that in your study, I'm not going to unpack all six of these. I'm just going to bring them to your attention. And when you go back and study this word, and meditate on this, I want you to look for these six points. Belief in Jesus. Action like Jesus. People pointed to Jesus. Love for Jesus. Reproduction of Jesus, his name and his character. And then the helper. The helper pointing us to Jesus. So I'll I'll read those again in case you're taking notes. But like I said, these are for you to to look and see. 
belief in Jesus. We see it all throughout this. Belief in Jesus, belief in his words, belief in his actions, belief in his works. Action like Jesus. People pointed to Jesus. Love for Jesus. Reproduction of Jesus, which is really that's what we're all to do. We're to reproduce Christ in our life. His name, his character, his goodness. And then a helper to point us to Jesus. So, I hope this doesn't sound too out there. But parts of this passage can discourage me at at times. What part of this would discourage me? The part that says, when Jesus says, greater things than these will you do. That's the part that oftentimes discourages me. Why? Because when I hear people talking about this, I I don't hear them talking about the other parts of it, about belief in Jesus and trust in Jesus and dependence upon Jesus and a helper pointing us to Jesus. What I hear is something that all of a sudden becomes a measurable in our life that we strive for a measurable of doing greater things than these. And that becomes the focus instead of Jesus being the focus. Friends, when I read this passage, Jesus is the focus, not the greater things, not the works, not the actions, not the greater things. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't even know that I have a firm grasp on what that means. Greater things than these will you do also. I know that Jesus did this amazing trifecta of walking on water, multiplying food to feed thousands, and then raising someone from the dead. And I know that I've never even heard of a person to do that trifecta. And those are some pretty great things. Now, I, I, I do know there's people that have raised the dead. I do know there's people that have, there's been multiplication. I know that there's been supernatural provision. I do all those things. But even in the hearing of these things, it's Jesus when I hear these stories that gets the glory, not some evangelist and not some person who was faithful to pray a prayer, but, but Jesus. Greater things than these will you do also. What does that mean? Are, are, we, are we supposed to kind of sharpen our pencils and have a, a, a scale to determine what are the greater things? Are we supposed to rate the things that Jesus did and rate them according to greater things and then say, okay, we're going to do things greater than these? Or are we supposed to look at this and say, Jesus had a three-year ministry on this earth and there's things he accomplished that we get a lifetime to walk in faithfulness and obedience and faith in. And so greater refers to not, not the measurable, but the sheer number and the faithfulness walked out. Is that what greater means? Greater things than these will you do also. You'll have a, a, a more vast portfolio of, of ministry, of, of time in obedience to the Father. Is that what it means? We can probably come up with a, with a couple more, but here's my point in, in this. It's all about Jesus. He has to be the focus, not in ourselves, not in the things that we want to accomplish for him. He's our focus. He's our source. The minute we make it about us, 
we're in trouble. Craig had a statement that kind of speaks to that type, that sort of trouble. He said he he'd saw a study of church leaders and it was asked, what's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of the church? And 89% of church, of Christian church leaders responded that the purpose of the church was to benefit me and my family. 89%. answered in accordance with scripture that the purpose of the church was to bring glory to the Father and to advance the kingdom of God. Friends, the minute we make church or ministry or life or our job or even our marriage or our kids about us and not about the Lord, we're in trouble. What do I mean by that? I need, I need Jesus to help me be the father to my kids that I want to be. If I make it about me, I am so limited because I'm wrong all the time. You're wrong all the time. The minute you're the one that's in control or the minute that I'm the one that's in control, whether I'm the source or that I'm the smart one, we're in trouble. Our focus has to be Jesus. This church, the purpose of this church, there are wonderful benefits of being at Impact Rock Church, but the purpose of this church is to glorify Jesus Christ and to advance the kingdom of God. That's why we have church here. Every ministry in this church, the purpose of it is to glorify Jesus and advance the kingdom of God. People go straight to the amazing things that they're going to do, but we miss the amazing character of Christ that we should strive to emulate so that the Father can be glorified. I want to read that passage that I read now. I just want to kind of tackle it a couple of verses at a time. So verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Friends, just pausing right there, that could be you and I saying these exact same things. Do you not believe that Jesus is in me? Do you not believe that it is Jesus who does these things and, and that I do these things for his glory? And here's Jesus saying the same thing about the Father. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. Here's what Jesus is saying. Let me just kind of unpack that. Here's what Jesus is saying. Believe in me. Jesus is saying, believe in me. Based on my words. Based on the fulfillment of scripture. Based on the fulfillment of prophecy. Based on the things I'm saying. Because Jesus was only saying what he heard the Father say. He's saying, believe in me based on words. Or, if, if that's not good enough for you, believe in me based on what I've done. There's some that will believe based on the words. 
There's some of us that when we heard the good news of Jesus Christ, at that moment we believed and we gave our lives to the Lord and we believed just based on the words. Praise God. But I think there's probably even more so that we heard the words, but we didn't fully believe until we experienced something powerful from God. And when we experienced the action of Christ, that's when we believed. And Jesus is saying, you're the one. Just believe. Just believe. Church, it's not enough that, that I can stand up here and point us to Jesus every week. There's got to be the experience of Jesus that you have individually with him. Right. Yeah. You, you, you might be inspired by the words. You might leave here inspired, but you might leave here a little agitated because the Holy Spirit is wanting you to do a work to provide an action that will point someone else to Jesus because, see, they need to see Christ in action in your life. The story of Jesus Christ, the story of the good news of Jesus is phenomenal. But we have been given the Holy Spirit so that we can demonstrate the power of God because there's people that aren't going to believe just in the word alone. They need a demonstration of power. And the Holy Spirit was sent to guide us into the power, the truth of a powerful risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We should be speaking in evangelism, but we should, all, we should also be demonstrating the power of God in evangelism as well. I, I love to talk about Jesus. And if I had a thousand words to proclaim Jesus, that'd be a nice start. But if I'm in a setting where there's a setting where there's people who don't know Jesus, and I can just walk up and be like, Hey, what's what's wrong? I see a limp. Well, I I got injured or whatever, and say in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Holy Spirit, would you come in power right now and just heal this brother? The miraculous, the thousand words or the more likely like the, about the 3,000 words I spoke will not be remembered. What will be remembered is the one act of, of the power of the Holy Spirit. But we need to do both. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believe in me will also do the works that I do. If I can pause right there, what do you what do you think? Like chicken or egg? Is is Jesus saying whoever believes in me will do will do these works? If you believe in me, you're going to demonstrate these works. Is he saying for those who believe in me, action will follow their life. They'll demonstrate me. Or is he saying, hey, those who believe in those who believe in me at some point, there'll be the demonstration of me. There'll be actions that follow. I don't know, but either way, it, it talks about belief and action. I don't know the order. But I do know this. If we believe in Jesus, there should be action. Yeah. If we believe in Jesus, there should be prayer. There should be ministry. There should be action. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. 
Does this sound familiar to any other scripture that we, we often make reference of? Jesus saying, it's better. He told his disciples, it's better that I go away. Because if I go away, then the Holy Spirit will be sent and he will guide you into all truth. And now he's saying, greater things than, will you, than these will you do because I go to the Father. I believe this is in direct relation to the Holy Spirit. He's making reference to the Holy Spirit and he's going to wrap it all up here in a couple verses. Jesus is saying, they're not going to believe you simply based on words either. You guys, they didn't believe him based on his teaching. I can't imagine there's ever been a greater teacher. I can't imagine there's been a a greater preach ever preached than anything that Jesus preached. When Jesus talked in his sleep, it was better than anything I've ever preached. And he's saying, they didn't believe me just based on my words. They're not going to believe you just based on your words either. There's got to be demonstration. There's got to be action. Just because you quote my word doesn't mean that they'll believe. You'll need some great story invoking works of your own. The story matters. The testimony matters. The story matters. And the subject of our story and the plot of our story and the twist of our story and every component of our story is so singular. It's Jesus Christ. But the people that we're interacting with and even ourselves, you guys, we need stories. That's our testimony. Our testimony isn't all the crummy stuff we did before. Well, I killed 17 people. And uh, then, you know, I did some time. And then, you know, then in prison, I, well, I killed a couple more. But then I found Jesus and now I'm out of prison. And you, you just told us your criminal record. You didn't, that's not a testimony. The testimony is who you are now because of Jesus Christ. When I share my testimony, I don't glorify the sin. I don't glorify the past. That's not the testimony. The testimony is that whatever was back there, I don't even remember. I don't even give thought to because of the grace of God in my life right now. Yeah, there were hurts and and there were betrayals and there was sin and there was ugliness. But Jesus is bigger. So can I talk about Jesus instead of just talking about the ugliness? Can I I mean... And I don't mind sharing some of that. I don't mind being vulnerable with some of that. But let me tell you about Jesus. And we tell him about Jesus. And then we say, now can I demonstrate Jesus? Can I demonstrate Jesus to you in a powerful way? Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I want to read that again. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What an interesting thing to say. I'll do the things you ask in my name so that the Father's glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is the very next verse, friends. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Okay. Well, uh, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, money be manifest. In the name of Jesus, 
Depression be gone. In the name of Jesus. I've prayed all those things. Friends, in the name of Jesus is not open sesame. In the name of Jesus is not our magic combination of words that rubs the genie's bottle, that gets the genie to pop up, that then does what we want the genie to do. Anybody here ever prayed something in the name of Jesus and God didn't do it? Am I the only one? It's happened to me a lot. I pray things in the name of Jesus and it didn't take place. Guys, this isn't saying Shazam. And this isn't saying open sesame. And this isn't... What Jesus is saying here is whatever you ask in my character and in my integrity and in everything that my name represents, the Father will do it because it will bring glory to the Father because of me. He's saying, if you... If your character matches my character, whatever you ask in that state of of godly integrity, I will do because you represent me. Why is this why is this so important? God cares about the heart. All throughout the word we see that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. When we're asking things of the Father and we're doing so in the name of Jesus, friends, we're not just doing so in the surname of Jesus. We're doing so in the integrity of Jesus. We're doing so representing the character of Jesus. And he talks about how that will glorify, the Father will be glorified in that when we act like him. And then he says this, right on the heels of that, he says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Why? Because we're talking about his name. We're talking about his character. The focus is still Jesus. The focus is not about us and the amazing greater things that we're going to do. The focus is still about Jesus and his name and his character. And that we're supposed to live our lives in that character. Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, good luck. God bless you. Good luck. Because outside of the character of of Jesus Christ, you're going to be disappointed. So just please don't blame Jesus at the end of it because he didn't answer that prayer. Please don't blame Jesus at the end of it when it doesn't happen because you're doing your own thing and you could care less about representing... You hear what I'm saying? It's the focus, guys. It's the focus. The focus can't be on me. The focus can't be on you. The focus can't be on the things that we think validate us or give us worth or give us meaning or, or, or justify us. We've been justified by the blood of the Lamb. My testimony is that I am whole because of Jesus. But outside of Jesus, there is nothing good inside of me. Nothing. Jesus is saying, whatever you ask in my character, whenever you are representing my integrity and my love for God, when you ask for things in your life as reminding the Father of my life, then I will do it. Because the Father will be glorified because he sees our plan is working. The Father will be glorified because he sees their mission is being carried out. The reproduction of Jesus Christ is being carried out.
The mission of Jesus that we get to share in is being carried out. You know, when, when we take communion, you know, during our worship service, when we go over there and we take the body and we take the, the, the blood and we remember, it's not just the covenant, it's the mission we're supposed to remember. We're included in the mission of taking Jesus to a lost and hurting world. Think of the stories that will come when we do that. Think of the stories that will come when we, when we bring the love of God because we're so in love with God. He said, if you love me, you guys, th- th- this doesn't happen without the affection of a good God. I, when we first believe in God, I don't know that that love is first there. I, for me, you know, it, I keep growing more and more in love with him. So for you, when you first believed in Jesus Christ, I don't know if you could say, Lord, I believe in you and I'm so in love with you because we grow in love. That's what I believe. We grow more and more in love by being in his presence. We grow more and more in love by spending time with him. We grow more and more in love by seeing how good he is. And then he says, if you love me, oh man, your actions, you're going to look like me. You're going to represent me. The following of the commands is just going to come. It's not obligatory. It's, It's reactionary. If you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. You guys, too too often we want the amazing stories. We just don't want the Holy Spirit. We want the greater things, but we're afraid of the stranger things. And the Holy Spirit is kind of strange sometimes. And I don't know about him. And I can't control him. I get real nervous around him. Don't, whatever you do, don't sing in tongues in the middle of a service for the love of God. Don't do that. We want the amazing things of God, but we want it. Friends, the, the, the amazing things of God don't exist outside the Holy Spirit, not for you and I. Not for you and I. The Holy Spirit was sent to be our guide and our helper and our teacher and to empower us so that we can be bold witnesses. There really is not effective storytelling of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. And the more that we fall in love with the Holy Spirit and yield to the Holy Spirit and desire the things of God in the Holy Spirit, the more tools we're given, the more weapons we're given, the more the more equipping we're given. You guys, we cannot be the battleship that God is calling us to be if you take away the big, powerful guns. What's a battleship without big, powerful guns? I wish, I wish Eric was here because he was in the Navy and I... It, what, what would you call a battleship without big, powerful guns? Scrap iron. That's right. A really tough-looking luxury vessel. Craig had that, that word from the Lord that we're no longer to be that luxury ship. God's called us to be the battleship. And you guys, the first thing that we need to do is we need to acknowledge that we are in a battle. 
We're in a battle. It doesn't matter that you can't see it. And I know we look around and we've got so many nice neighborhoods around us. And we live in Colorado, man. We live in paradise. You look that way and you've got mountains and it's beautiful. Friends, we are in a battle. And it's not these eyes that we're supposed to be looking. But we're in a battle against an enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he is relentless and he has no mercy within him. And our battle's not with flesh and blood. This is not an enemy that we can just go throttle. I can't sick Michael Freeman on him in the physical realm. But, but what we can do is we can partner together and we can come against this enemy because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. And we can attack him, but not, not with natural means. But we got to acknowledge that we're in a fight. We got to acknowledge that we're in a battle for our marriages and our children and our community and our nation and our future and our faith and our freedoms even. Our free- and I'm not even talking about American. I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about Jesus. Our freedoms in Jesus Christ, they're under attack. There is an enemy. I'm going to quote some things that Andy said because they're, gosh, it was such a phenomenal message. Such an incredible message. He said, sometimes serving God is not convenient for us. His timing is not always what we wish it were. And he said, if we as a church want to be a battleship for God, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced. To be that battleship, we have to be Christ-focused and not self-focused. We have to stop being so easily offended. We have to believe that we are in a battle. We have to unite under the mission of God for this church and stop being swayed by the decisive digs of the enemy. And he made this statement, we have a mission and we need to be focused on it. If you don't have my cell phone number, it's 303-808-7292. And I encourage you to do this. Text me if there were no limitations. What are three things for the kingdom of God you want to do? What are three things that your heart beats for and and you're passionate about and that God's given you vision for and he's gifted you for? Three things that if there were no limitations what those three things are that you want want to do for the Lord. Text me those things so you have record of it and so that I have record of it. And I'm here to tell you whatever those three things are, you can do with this as a base, with this as a headquarters, as an equipping station, as a place to come together to be equipped and to be fed and and to, to shower and to go to sick bay and all the things that do take place on a battleship. Okay? They still have to eat. They still have to shower. There's still sick bay. There's still work to be done. There's still uh, decks to be swabbed. Or is that pirates? I don't know. But there's still work to be done on battle stations. But there's the things you want to accomplish, you can do from this place. And it's okay that I don't know how to accomplish all those things because this isn't a one-man show. And I'm not the ringleader, you know, bringing all the moving parts together. I'm the one who points you to Jesus and says, we'll figure it out by, by coming to him in prayer and the Holy Spirit's going to empower us for this.
But I will tell you this, guys. We've got we to be doing stuff. We've got to be doing stuff. The, the incredible stories of Jesus Christ um, that, that are supposed to be coming from our lives and that then inspire others and that where they're, they're listening and they don't know fully believe, but now we've got an audience to demonstrate the power of God. And now they've got a story. There's got to be action on our part. We just can't be sitting there doing nothing. You guys, I believe this word, man. Gosh, I, my notes are so colorful. Andy had such good stuff. Please listen to Craig's message and then listen to Andy's message. He made this comment. He said, with a cruise ship mentality, it's all about passengers and their comforts. With a battleship mentality, it's all about the mission. With a cruise ship mentality, it brings temporary happiness to the flesh. But with a battleship mentality, it brings joy and fulfillment as we accomplish the mission. A cruise ship views worship as music for the enjoyment of the passengers. A battleship views worship as declaration and battle cry for God. A cruise ship is there to meet the needs of the passengers. With a battleship, there are no passengers, only a crew. And every member of the crew is vital. There's so much more. I color-coded it. There's so much more. But I'm going to stop. What's God stirring? What's God stirring within you? What's God demonstrating to you? What do you need Him to demonstrate to you? Our God is so big, He'll do it. And and we should be audacious in the things we ask. We should be audacious in the things we ask in the name of Jesus. But friends, we got to fall in love with Him so we know we truly represent His heart. We can't be a selfish people. We can't be a selfish, you know, a self-focused people. I was on vacation and it was glorious. And I sat there and people bring umbrella, umbrella drinks to me and I read and I napped and I swam and I napped some more. And it was wonderful. Rest is wonderful. Vacation is wonderful. But I'm on a mission. And my whole life can't be spent being catered to in church. We can't be spent being catered to either. The purpose of this church is not to benefit you and your family. And I don't know how many churches in town will tell you that, but we will. We're not here to benefit you and your family. It's a nice effect. It's a nice benefit. But our purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ. It's to advance the kingdom of God. 